0: Welcome to another episode of the Ottoman History Podcast. We're recording a different podcast today. We're currently set in the University of Greenwich in London, and I'm joined by Dr. Michael Torbert and Zainab Azarbardayan, PhD student at Columbia uh, University and Zainab will be also sitting in later on when we speak to Michael's students and that leads me on quite well to the topic of today's podcast which is something like podcasting the Ottomans 2 after a very successful and interesting episode podcasting the Ottomans with Professor Dana Sajdi at Boston College. Today, we'll be speaking to predominantly Michael Talbot's students from his course, Cities of the Sultan's Life in the Early Modern Ottoman Empire. So Michael, can you tell us a little bit about the course? What, what was the course about? What was the course structure? And particularly this uh, new aspect of uh, getting students to uh, record their own podcasts and so not only listen to podcasts as a medium, not only the Ottoman history podcast, but also produce their own. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Thailand. So um, I run two Middle East courses here at Greenwich. Um, One's in the second year, which is
1: called Empire and Nation in the Middle East that looks at the Ottoman Empire basically from the Tanzimat until um, the end and then takes it further into the post-Ottoman world, thinking about the mandates and so forth. So some of the students doing this course would have done that. Not all of them, though. And this third year course, so this is the final year of my undergraduate's degree, um, I wanted to take them back in time and think about life in the early modern ottoman empire using the prism of cities so we have a kind of a first few weeks is an introduction to the topic so we think about the basic political story um, of ottoman history we think a bit about the kinds of sources that are available to ottoman historians who study early modern ottoman history and so that's a mixture of texts um and and some material and visual sources too so once they had an idea of the overview, the sources, then we started to look about what makes up Ottoman cities, what kind of institutions do we find in major Ottoman urban centers. So each week following that, um, kind of thought a bit about each institution. So whether it's the marketplace, the mosque, the hammam, the private home, the mahale. Um, all these sorts of institutions that we find, but also to then see how they change over time, how they vary by place and by space. And I guess one of the fundamental questions is, well, what actually made these different sorts of cities and institutions Ottoman, right? We can tend to give this label Ottoman to things really easily. What is Ottoman about a private neighborhood in Damascus? What is Ottoman about a provincial mosque in the Balkans or something like that? So that's the basic premise behind the course. And then in terms of um, assessment, um, they have an essay to do. So that's a 3000 word essay on a subject of their choice. But before that, they had to make a 10 minute podcast and the reason for doing this was because amongst their set texts, so they had a bunch of primary sources. They also had a huge bunch of secondary reading. And amongst that secondary reading were some of our lovely podcasts from the OHP. So they listened to quite a few of these podcasts. So, you know, when they were researching their essays and everything else, they listened to a whole bunch more. So then the idea was then for them to make their own and they had to choose a kind of a theme that interested them. Um, And then choose some primary sources, visual and written and material and written to help discuss the topic. So that's the basic idea behind this. How can they then turn their learning from the course and their experience of listening to podcasts into a podcast of their own?
0: And we'll be speaking to uh, a selection of your students later on and asking about uh, their experiences producing these podcasts. Also ask them about their opinion of the awesome History Podcast and podcasts in general as in the academic sphere. But after having listened to this first generation of student podcasts, what are your observations? What are, what are your comments? Do you think that next time you will be introducing it in a different way, asking different aspects of podcasting with your undergraduate students?
1: Yeah that's a really great question. So I mean in some I mean in, to start off with, I was blown away um, by the overall quality of the podcasts. It's not an easy thing to do to take a topic that they've only known in any depth for three months, maybe less, um, to take some primary sources that were alien to them that same time ago and turn it into a 10 minute piece that's both um, analytical, entertaining, informative. That's tricky. I mean, we barely managed to do it right as professionals. So for them to do it so well was just amazing. There were some kind of limitations. I mean, um, not in terms of the students. I thought even those who perhaps were at the lower end of the, the grading spectrum still gave it a really good go. The limits in terms of what I'd like them to have been um, are kind of dictated by the way that we have to mark these things. So, as any uh, lecturer or professor will tell you, plagiarism always has its ugly specter rearing around our students, and the temptation to maybe just copy and paste something from the internet or nick something from someone else's podcast and uh, present it as their own work not that any of my students did that, I must add um, is always there. So, they have to f- do a kind of a script so that we can run it through our plagiarism checker to make sure that they're not stealing anyone else's ideas, that everything is properly referenced. What that means, of course, is that they're essentially reading out an essay. And that can be really problematic if you want to have a podcast like this, where it's more of a conversation. And those that did better in their podcasts managed to be more conversational in their presentation style. They were able to write at the level that one would expect of a podcast rather than a read-out essay. So that's something for me to think about in the future. How can I better support my students to, to improve, to develop these kind of presentation skills that, of course, aren't just useful for Ottoman history podcasts, but are useful um, in everyday life, in how they speak and present themselves. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is another thing. Presentations have always been a part of, of academic assessment, at least in my time in universities but they can be really tricky. Some people have real confidence issues standing up in front of a group. Sure, we don't want to wrap them in bubble wrap, but you know we are here to support them. And so from a pedagogic point of view, for me, the podcast is a really great way of encouraging them to think about their communication skills, giving them some kind of presentation skills, but also allowing them to um, have that degree of comfort that they're not being stared at. They know that only I'm going to listen to it, although that was clearly a lie because now you've listened to some of them too. Um, I think it's important in terms of their development as, as as human beings as well as budding podcasters.
0: So for those who are interested or tempted or, or want to introduce this this podcasting assessment or podcasting activity into their teaching, into their curriculum undergraduate students are used to writing essays or hopefully are used to or or will be understand what uh, an academic essay is all about but they might not understand what a podcast or the process of producing a podcast is. You you were mentioning that uh, there's a a certain pedagogic value and I suppose uh, from our own experiences you are not only expressing an argument, an idea uh, or narrating a certain period of, of history but you're also having to make it interesting which is surely a higher way of presenting your thoughts. What what are the pieces of advice that you can give to uh, anyone else who might be interested in doing this? Well, first of all, if you're
1: going to get your students to do a podcast, they should be listening to them. And this is why, you know, almost every week on my reading list, um, there's a podcast assigned in one way or another. So they get used to the format of the OHP. I think also in terms of how to structure it, I guess it depends how much you trust your students. Because I've always thought, or I've increasingly thought over the years, the more experience I've had teaching, is that students do best when they're challenged. And, you know, we could stick giving them, you know, five minute presentations and 3,000 word essays until the end of time. And will they really learn that much? Not sure. A podcast is combining so many different skills together. And I think, in terms of expectations, this encourages the students to think higher of themselves, right? That they're engaging in this really advanced level reading. They've been listening to some of the top academics in the field on the OHP talking about their research, and now it's their turn. They are as good, they are as capable as doing this as any professional historian or PhD student or whoever. So I think that this has to be a part of it. You have to trust your students enough that they will be able to take up this challenge. From a more technical point of view... Um, in terms of learning the basic skills of podcasting, um, it's um, getting the right equipment to begin with. So making sure the students know what kind of software is available for free for them to use. I also think as with any form of assessment, you need to think, well, what do I want the students to demonstrate to me Um at the end of this assessment, what do, what do I want them to show me so with this there were several components they needed to show that they understood how to analyze primary sources they had to show that they were not only able to analyze these primary sources but to build them into some kind of narrative, some kind of structure some some kind of argument um, and then third, do it in a way that's entertaining and compelling. That's a lot to ask but again, if you trust in your students abilities and we should. Really, we should. i speak for all lecturers there. We should really be pushing our students to do their best. Then they can do fantastic things.
2: Hello, my name's Tanya Bartholomew. I'm a third-year history student at the University of Greenwich.
3: Hi, uh, I'm Andrew Cottis, and I'm a third-year history student at the University of Greenwich.
2: Hi, I'm Maisie Theobald.
4: Hi, I'm Albert Stitt.
5: Hi, I'm Meg Rowlands. I'm also a third year history undergraduate at the University of Greenwich.
0: Let's start off with a very simple question, which is, do you have a favourite podcast that you'd like to recommend or, or speak about or comment on?
5: I really enjoyed, um, it's quite a recent one with Leslie Pierce about her new book on Roxolana. Um I found it really interesting and useful for the essay that, I ended up writing for this course, which was on the gendering of space um, because she brings up a lot to do with the imperial harem, which is obviously the topic of her earlier book. Um, but I just thought she's really eloquent. She has a lot of fantastic points and she manages to sort of synthesise everything quite efficiently. Yes,
3: yeah, so I think my favourite uh, podcast was the one on um, Evlia Chilebi, It was from a while ago. And... I'd never really heard of him much before studying him, but it was, there was a week set aside in our course to, to study him. And as part of our kind of preparatory reading for it, we listened to that, that podcast. And I think it did a fantastic job of introducing this like, big character from history that I'd certainly never heard of. Um, but it's probably become one of my favourite parts about, about the Ottoman history course, is learning about him.
2: I quite like the fact that um, some of these like, key thinkers, and maybe you, know, you read their, their article or their book... But when they're on the Ottoman History Podcast, they're forced, forced, because it's in such a short space of time, to get across their message very clearly, very concisely, and in a a way that, you know, the kind of unprofessional historian would would maybe understand. And I think that's its appeal. And that's why I think I will continue to listen to it.
0: So for our listeners, uh, the students in this room today, we're all uh, students of uh, Dr. Michael Talbot's Cities of the Sultan's life in the early modern Ottoman Empire. And this course has, for the first time, asked students to produce their own podcast about 10 minutes in length. So I'd like to ask you, as, as the students who've not only listened to the Ottoman history podcast, but have actually produced your own podcast, to talk to us and maybe discuss about the, the experiences you've had producing the podcast, if you found that they were valuable learning uh, methods.
2: I did my uh, podcast on mahalas in uh, the early Ottoman uh, period. Each mahalla comprised of a place of worship, a public fountain, a couple of shops or a market that catered to the basic needs of the residents and other institutions such as a or school. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed doing my podcast because unlike an academic essay, it enabled me to um, be creative, should I say. It It enabled me to be creative and I was lucky enough to be able to um, include the theme song from Neighbours. As you can hear from my accent, I'm not of British descent. Um, so I was able to bring the theme tune of Neighbours into my podcast and I was also able to bring in um, some of the surahs, which I, I enjoyed. O oh, you who have believed do not enter houses other than your own houses until you ascertain welcome and greet their inhabitants that is best for you perhaps you will be reminded so i think it's it's academic but it also enables you to be a little more creative to kind of to hook the listeners into what what you're telling them about so i enjoyed it i I
5: chose to do my podcast on guilds, which is not a subject I had any particular interest in beforehand. So I thought it would be interesting to do the research into that topic. In the extract by Evliya Chalebi, he focuses on a situation in the parade that quickly escalates and gains the attention of the sultan. The Egyptian grain merchants and the guild of butchers find themselves quarrelling over who should pass behind the procession of Mediterranean captains. The butchers speak of the Quran and God, the religious significance of the trade. The grain merchants retaliate with a similar message.
4: As for our lentils, they are mentioned in the Quran, and lentils, and grow in the soil of paradise and in the water of Egypt,
0: and are tastier and cook better than the lentils of Turkey.
5: In the end, the Sultan grants a noble rescript to the Egyptian grain merchants to proceed first, the butchers second. And then it also kind of tunnelled into this like this path of research in early modern Ottoman music to use in my podcast and all these other fields I had no reason to be studying for any other reason than just to include them for the sake of it in my podcast but it was really nice um, and then also I find podcast in a useful form of assessment I talk way too much like I talk so much and with an essay you obviously have to be very picky and then your one paragraph leads into your next paragraph and whatever it has to be very structured whereas with the podcast i found i could just talk and talk and talk and talk and then edit it so then i had 10 minutes of podcast um so it's a totally different kind of skill than writing an essay um but equally as valuable in the workplace i think
3: so my podcast um was on the difference between is nick and tim retiling which whenever i said to anyone this is what I'm doing a podcast on. It would be a yawn mainly, it's why i get back. It was, everyone was saying, why would you not choose something a bit more exciting? In this podcast, I will be using examples of early modern Ottoman ceramic tiles to explore these layers of history. From this, I will draw a conclusion that life in early modern Ottoman Istanbul changed greatly between the years following the turn of the 16th century and 1560. This change can be investigated via the analysis of the ceramic tiling that was produced during this period. The Ottoman Empire moved into a new age of self-stylization during the middle of the 16th century, and ceramic tiling was the aesthetic public face of this. When you use the podcasting format, the way you can be so creative, the way you can bring in so much more than just some words written down on a page, like Meg was saying, I also brought in some Ottoman um, classical music. You can have a, such a, a much deeper discussion about uh, material items over a podcast, and in a much more engaging way than you can about reading an essay about something which to a lot of people would probably come across as quite boring. So I suppose my question is how does the creativity of a podcast kind of lift the subject off of like an essay page and make it something that is easier to engage with and perhaps more interesting?
4: I think the creativity allows you to look at a lot more sources. So I done mine on the Hamams and Orientalism um, and it allowed me to look at Uh, 19th century paintings of the Hammams by like Europeans and also um, much earlier accounts Um, and the podcast yeah so if I was to do an essay I I couldn't see myself looking at paintings and things like that so the podcast allowed me to look at much more um, visual aspects of the subject.
0: Andrew you mentioned that it was uh, quite useful for uh, as preparatory reading do you think that that is something that the, the podcast does? Is it part of priming your mind in terms of thinking about the topic so that you can then later do some more research on it? Or do you see it as more of a, something that you will listen to to try and understand the wider questions, the wider themes? Or how do you see the podcasts fitting into the the course structure in terms of its primary or secondary source? Or how do you see it as being material for, for learning?
3: I think it's ideal as like a, a preparatory reading uh, because it, it often has like a, a basic knowledge in it to start off with so something that, that certainly a lot of people on this course maybe haven't heard of before like this is quite a new era of history for me certainly um, something that I would never have covered, covered in earlier education so I haven't really got that, that background and I think the Ottoman history podcast um, is great for that and I think it's great for introducing uh, historians his point of view that you then might be able to go away and read some read some of their work that they've actually they've made or they've written. But it's also useful as a secondary source within essays as well. Like I know a few of mine i have actually included a few of the episodes as some of my uh, secondary sources that I would have used.
0: So for our listeners, I'm seeing a lot of nodding in this room. I mean, is this because we're agreeing with this idea that it's a secondary source that can be used in essays? Uh, is it more of a primer? Is it something that will start you off to, to think about the topic? What, what does everyone else think?
5: Um, I think... Having gone through the British education system, which is, as you probably can guess, um, is very sort of Eurocentric. And I went to school in Wales, so everything was about Wales. Um, I really wasn't familiar with the Ottoman Empire before I came to university. Um, So then when you are studying a course that's kind of as specific as studying Ottoman cities, There's almost this expectation to go away and do all this broad contextual reading, which with a 15 credit course, you don't really have the time to do for everything you want to learn about. So you've got all these themes and topics. So the podcast has been particularly useful in introducing us to sort of key thinkers, key historians, and key subjects, and giving us that context that we can apply to our work um, and to our classes without being bogged down by books upon books, like like we have in so many of our other classes. It's a really accessible tool that you can just sit down for an hour, listen to an episode, and then you understand the context for next week's class.
2: And I would also like to say that um, it is something that even though this course is finished, I um, follow the Ottoman History Podcast on Facebook. So it's something that I definitely see myself continuing to listen to in the future if something piques my interest.
0: Is it an academic interest or is it just uh, a curiosity? of different disciplines, different areas of Ottoman history. What, what really inspires or what makes you click on the next link of the Ottoman History Podcast if you see it on Facebook?
2: For me, it has to be uh, something to do with um, I, I am quite fascinated in Istanbul. So anything that's kind of focused around Istanbul, I'm, I, I have an interest.
4: So initially, um, I listen to it for like academic purposes. So for like the podcast, tasks and essays. But for in enjoyment as well like as you've as I've gone on listening to it you know as like a keen historian the topics discussed are quite interesting and as everyone said it's a topic not really um that many like young British kids haven't studied so you're still learning as you're listening to it
6: I've only listened to it for academic reasons but um, I haven't just listened to it uh, for this course I've used it for my dissertation as well so I'm doing about pirates, and I've brought in Barbary pirates, Um, so yeah, I've listened to it for them as well, and it's been really useful.
0: In the episode Podcasting the Ottomans at Boston College with uh, Professor Donna Sajdi, we heard about the use of the Ottoman History Podcast as a learning resource uh, for undergraduate students and this course has uh, gone beyond that so we've had students actually producing their own podcasts, uh, writing a script, also recording, editing so that's quite a, uh, a complex learning journey for you. What is the next step? What is Podcasting the Ottomans 3? If this is Podcasting the Ottomans 2, what would the next step in this podcast format in the academic setting look like?
5: I'm quite satisfied with how podcasting was incorporated into our course because um, it's not a medium that we're that familiar with and I'm aware that Dana Sajdi's course is entirely based on podcasting but I think this is quite a comfortable sort of happy medium where we have these other resources and then we have to produce an essay at the end of the course as well as a podcast it's introducing these new skills but then if it turns out you're not very good at it it's not totally detrimental a few of us have actually discussed this um, outside of class and we don't feel as though we do enough group work um, as a whole. And the Ottoman History podcast is a collaborative between academics globally. So, w- somebody has suggested this is an opportunity to make an assessment a collaborative piece of work because we all have different strengths. So, I had no idea I was going to be good at podcasting, but it turns out I can do it pretty well. Um, whereas somebody else might not have that production skill, but they're fantastic script writers. So, we have decided and we are going to pitch it that that perhaps this assessment is made into more of a collaborative group work that then complements and bounces off the ottoman history podcast where it's a discussion or possibly a debate where you argue about two historiographical trends and the strengths and weaknesses of one or the other because um, so i think that would then encourage us to explore subjects that we're not as familiar with and we'll end up learning so much more, I think.
0: What were the challenges you faced when producing these podcasts? So I think your uh, podcast had to be around 10 minutes in length. Did you have any uh, unexpected or expected challenges? Were there expected, uh, well, unexpected um, pleasant experiences that you had? Anything that you'd like to mention in terms of the production uh, of the podcast for the course itself?
6: Um, I felt like 10 minutes wasn't enough. Like, I could have spoke for a long time, uh, just had a lo- had a lot to say about my topic. And um, it was about gender, and I'm quite passionate about gender, so I could have talked forever. But I guess 10 minutes is like the normal amount, so it makes sense. <laughs> um, I think as well, it was a hurdle that
5: I came across, and I was quite self-conscious about the fact that I'm not particularly good at pronouncing words in Arabic or Turkish (laughs) and I had an issue where I'd recorded my podcast and submitted it early, I went into class, then heard this word being pronounced totally differently and I just had to apologise to Michael.
0: I think mispronouncing terms is something we can all empathise with, whether it's when we're podcasting and recording or if we're in the classroom, either sat as a student or uh, Sat in or well, stood in front of students trying to pronounce things correctly uh, when you're not entirely sure how to do so. Uh, Maisie, you mentioned that you're very passionate about uh, the subjects of gender and that you could have spoken for uh, more than the, the allocated 10 minutes. I, th- I suppose that brings up the next question of, yes, we're thinking about the Ottoman history podcast, we're thinking about Ottoman history uh, and podcasting. But are there certain themes, certain topics, certain subjects that are better suited for the podcasting medium? Uh, Are there certain other avenues that you'd want to pursue uh, with the the podcasting medium? I mean, gender sounds like uh, it might be something that might interest you.
6: Um, I feel like with podcasts, if you're passionate about something, it's easier for it to come across. Because with essays, you have to stay very formal and you can't say, I... Um, yeah you can't be in first person but with a podcast you can really emphasize how you feel about a certain thing and um, the same with blogs we do in different courses you can really it your personal feelings can really come across
2: yeah I agree I agree with Maisie you can you can really let your personality shine in these in blogs um, and in po especially in podcasts, I remember asking Michael because I I knew I had the idea to use uh, the neighbours theme tune. I remember asking Michael, "Is it okay if I if I put a little bit of humour in in it?" And he said, "Please, Tanya, because I'm going to be listening to thirty of these, and I want to la- have a little bit of a laugh." So yeah,
5: I think as well, if I, less so about um, creating a podcast, but when you're listening to podcasts. They're an ideal way to kind of crack those subjects that you really hate learning about, Um, because you know it's only going to last an hour, so you only have to kind of suffer through it for an hour if you have to learn about it. Whereas, if you have to read a book or a chapter or an article, you really have to push yourself and struggle. And I know I'll keep putting it off. Whereas on the walk to uni, I can just put my headphones on, and then it's pretty much over and done with by the time I get here, and I've learned a lot um reluctantly but it's happened with minimal effort on my behalf
4: yeah
3: I think um I agree with what's been said podcasting is is this ideal kind of medium for broaching new subjects um it's it's much easier to get into a subject if if you're listening to it on the train or walking in or whatever um I also think it's great for any subject uh that requires a debate which obviously in history is pretty much all of them and so uh, a lot of uh, people in my course uh, in my year also studying a genocide course. And the amount of debates that come up in that i think it'd be really helpful if podcasting could be brought into that like it has been brought into uh, ottoman history
0: I, I mean personally i want to ask finally will you be producing podcasts in the future will you be trying this medium out for yourself academic or, or, or anything else would you be delving into this medium again
2: well i'm hoping to go on to be a secondary school history teacher so i actually think that would be a really great um, project for the for secondary school students
5: speak to me in five years but um i'm doing a masters so i have no idea if i'll be using it but i imagine that i will be at some point i mean like i said it's a skill that i didn't know i had workplace is always asking for people with different skills and i'm an assistant producer for a film company and when i've spoken to them about the fact that i've made podcasts they've been pretty excited about it i think if you're working in media it's just an extra skill that puts you above the rest. And people listen to the radio, and radio is
6: essentially just lots of small podcasts. So um, yeah, maybe. Um, I personally don't see myself uh, doing it again, uh, because I don't think um, it's really in my path after graduation. And I don't think people really care of what I have to say. So
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if I will do podcasting again um, my dissertation topic I really enjoy um, so maybe if I was to continue researching that um, throughout the years and where it's like a slightly a niche subject maybe a podcast would be quite useful for it
3: Yeah, I think uh, given the opportunity I would definitely do it again um, one of my other courses this year I'm doing an English course and we're given the choice of um, how we present uh, our final piece and I think I would definitely choose a podcast over an essay now
0: Welcome back to the Ottoman History Podcast. After that discussion with Michael's students on podcasting and the Ottoman History Podcast, we're back in an office space thinking about uh, what we've just heard about the students' uh, reactions uh, and the students' experiences podcasting. Zainab was also in the room listening to the conversations we had and I think this is a good opportunity for us to reflect on what we've just heard uh, together with Michael uh, and to think about uh, the advantages of this, this podcasting medium.
7: Considering, Michael, that you were not in the room uh, and you did not hear what went on, um, I wanted to ask you about sort of how the students uh, framed their experience of doing the podcast. And the things that they've learned from doing this. So there were very interesting points. One of them that they felt that they could actually, actually show their personalities much more than they could do in an essay format. And the other ones that they could be creative, they could include different kinds of um, sources like music and also search, different research, different kinds of sources. And Uh, The other thing that was very interesting is that it actually affected the way way they were reading their sources, especially if they were visual and material sources, because they had to explain it in a way that it would be understandable in a podcast format. Whereas in an essay format, you can just have the picture and maybe, and they said that they saw things that they wouldn't otherwise have done. So having heard all of their podcasts, I would like you to basically say some points on this.
1: I agree in terms of both points first of all that they get their personalities across which you know all of us struggle in academic writing because of the you know the ridiculous conventions that we have to observe and um, sometimes they have their uses sometimes it's just because we're as a profession rather than set in our ways and the podcast gave each of these students a chance to really shine and those that again attained the highest in terms of their marks were those who were best able to get their personalities across I mean I think it was uh, um, Maisie's podcast, and she introduced it like it was like week fifty-nine of Miss Maisie's um, ten-minute history, and it was brilliant. And she sort of, you know, at, at points she would be sticking to script, but then she'd go off. I, mean, I think she was talking about um, one of the one of the marketplaces in Istanbul, and she would transport us there through this beautiful descriptive language and sound effects, and you name it. And you would never get that um, in an essay. So in terms of them to be able to share their passion for what is, after all, a subject that they chose to speak about, I didn't tell them at any point what they should uh, talk about, um, is wonderful. In terms of reading the sources, absolutely. I mean, we've had a few experiments on the podcast in the the past, and I think it's something we should be doing more in the future of things like soundscapes, that um, you know, when you sit and listen around you in wherever it is, whether it's in London or Istanbul you hear and understand a lot more about the city than if you're just sort of walking through and passing with your headphones in or out. And when they're dealing with really complex images, so, you know, they were dealing with some um, um, 16th, 17th, 18th century miniature paintings that look really simple, particularly if, you, if you're used to uh, European art, but actually the messages behind many of these things are, are are really crucial. And actually some of the most impressive work was when, when they tried successfully to a- analyse buildings, the the material remnants of the Ottoman past, whether it be a a Topkapı palace or or any kind of the mosque. I think the Suleymaniye was a really popular mosque to talk about in the podcasts. Um, And even the written sources. So I think it was Megan's podcast where she was talking about Evliya Celebi. And, um, you know, she did a lovely little um, um, segment, I think it was with her partner, um, with one of the disputes between, uh, um, I can't remember exactly which guilds it was, And um, they did a kind of like a dramatic reading of it. And that's great because many of these texts, you know, they weren't just written texts, they would have been performed and read and thought about. And um, so, yeah, I think it it opens up huge horizons in terms of their ability to read sources. And uh, I think they did a really great job of it.
0: From the discussion we had at the start and the discussion we had with the students afterwards, it seems that what we're really talking about, what this Awesome History podcast or podcasting in this academic sphere is all about, is about engagement. It's about students going beyond uh, the written sources, uh, the lectures, you know, this or that. And it's really getting them to embody the subject Empathise, try to bring in their own characters we mentioned before. The, the pedagogic value of the podcast can... Uh, certainly the word engagement needs to, to appear in any justification of it if there needs to be justification. One of the questions or one of the problems the students lamented about that we, we just heard was that there wasn't enough group work in academia. There wasn't enough group work in undergraduate courses and that they saw the potential in the future of engaging with not only the subjects, but engaging with their peers, speaking to their peers, discussing topics uh, through this medium of podcasting. And I think I said, if this is podcasting the Ottomans 2, what would podcasting the Ottomans 3 look like? And that seemed to be the feeling in the room. What, what would your opinion be on that?
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean... Um you know that as far as I'm concerned in the classroom the less they have to hear my voice the happier I am and they are and so for example in this class and in, indeed in most of my classes group work and group discussion of primary and secondary sources is how the class goes and it will be interspersed with some lectures and activities that I'm leading but for the most part it will be the students doing the talking themselves and I agree I think in terms of a um, future direction more collaborative podcasts would be wonderful Um, It raises some questions from an assessment point of view, at least, on how that would be marked, because the problems that we always find with things like group presentations is, you know, some people will just be along for the ride. And how do you discern who's done the hard work and the research and all this sort of stuff? Well, yeah, I think collaborative conversations are the way forward. and. You know, that's again, again, not wanting to, you know, I don't need to sell the oh the autumn history podcast to our audience because they're already listening to it. But one of the things that's been so great about it is that, you know, me and you over the years have had chats with so many wonderful people that we probably never would have had the opportunity to have a chat with otherwise. And that is a lovely form of, of collaboration. And um, I think that's why they found it a worthwhile thing to have the podcasts. I mean, I can't speak for them, but it's a rare example um, of group work. I mean, how often is it that we have a, a, a co-written article, for example, in in history and other humanities? We might have edited books, but there's very rarely a genuine collaboration. I mean, I think one of the the podcasts actually now, you know, Zainab here in the room, um, the conference that she organized um, last year at Columbia on the visual sources for Ottoman history was a lovely example of how we can do a, a group podcast with lots of different voices coming together. So... I really, I really appreciate the students' feedback on that. And I think it's definitely something that we should all be working towards.
0: I'm having too much fun. Uh, This is really interesting for for us, especially sitting in Greenwich University, speaking to students that I haven't met before, hearing in the corridors, the word podcast being pronounced by other students as well from other courses. It seems that this is uh, certainly something that is more and more relevant. And one of the important pieces of feedback that we had speaking to the students was an agreement that anything above 45 minutes is a, a bit too long for their attention span certainly it is for mine so i think that would be a good point for us to end thank you michael for the opportunity uh, to be involved in this i don't know if you have any last words to say
1: not at all just to say thank you to you and to zainab obviously because you know these podcasts are done on our free time they are completely voluntary. And um, without uh, you guys and everyone else on the podcast taking that time and effort to sit down, record, edit, and the editing is the the big bit, right, Um, this would never happen. And our students would never have had these experiences and never have grown as individuals as a result. And it's all down to the hard work of of, um, our wonderful podcasters. And uh, long may they continue and uh, may help arrive swiftly.